When a show has been in the air as long as Jeopardy has, it's almost inevitable others will poke fun at it. Let's see our categories. We got big girls. Mm, I don't know. You better. I'm going to pray on this. They out here saying, and as always, white people. That's not Art Fleming or Alex Trebek or even Mayim or Ken you're hearing. And this is not a clip from the Jeopardy you know and love, which you've probably caught on to. On screen, the stage and lecterns are familiar, as is the iconic blue game board. But this is from a 2016 sketch on Saturday Night Live called Black Jeopardy. And instead, it's comedy legend Kenan Thompson at the helm. Okay, Keely, you're our returning champ. You pick. Okay, let's do you better for 200. Okay, the answer there. You need hot sauce, duck sauce, soy sauce, and safety pins. Keely. What is, you better take your ass to the kitchen and look in the packet drawer. Yeah, yeah, the packet drawer, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, every kitchen's got one, you know. SNL has been on the air since 1975 and is still peerless in its grip on the culture. From Dan Aykroyd's impersonations of Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon, to the launch of Wayne's World, to Natalie Portman shedding her good girl image in an expletive-laden rap, these moments have endured. They're comedic flashpoints that we still talk about today. But even on a show that millions of Americans tune into each week, not every sketch breaks through the noise, except for Black Jeopardy. It's the second most viewed sketch on SNL's YouTube channel, with over 76 million views. This is your pick. Let's go, I ain't got it for 200. All right, the lady from Sally Mae says, your student loan is past due. Rashad. What is I ain't got it because I died, you talking to a ghost? Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you can't build what's not there, okay? Just ask Wesley Snipes. Ain't that right, (laughs) T'Challa? I don't know this one. That's all right, you'll get there. When my phone blows up from like my people, that's when I know we hit, you know, a, a bullseye in the culture. Jeopardy, SNL, they harken back to a time when we all kind of had these similar touchstones, these similar cultural experiences. I'm your host, Buzzy Cohen, and from Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV, this is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. On today's episode, we tell the story of how Black Jeopardy came to be and what it can teach us about Jeopardy. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Look, Jeopardy is no stranger to parody. In fact, at times, Jeopardy has gotten in on the joke itself. 
Here's Alex Trebek playing uh, Alex Trebek in a 1997 episode of The Simpsons. Marge Simpson is strapped for cash, so she goes on Jeopardy. Marge, you were down $5,200. But Mr. Trebek... I asked you before the game if you knew the rules, and you said you did. Judges? Red Mom! Over the years, SNL has often parodied game shows like Family Feud or Wheel of Fortune, and Jeopardy! wasn't spared. One of cast member Will Ferrell's most memorable characters was his turn as an exasperated Alex Trebek on the celebrity version of the game. Welcome back to Celebrity Jeopardy! Before we begin the double Jeopardy round, I'd like to ask our contestants once again, please refrain from using ethnic slurs. (laughs) That said, let's take a look at the scores. Sean Connery has set a new Jeopardy record with negative $230,000. You think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? What with your dago mustache and your greasy hair? Look, what did I just say about ethnic slurs? Farrell established himself as a comedy heavy hitter during his time on SNL, and that was due in no small part to his work on the celebrity Jeopardy sketches. Starting in the mid-90s, SNL writers would go on to create 15 different versions of the Celebrity Jeopardy sketch. It was an iconic sketch that poked fun at just how different the game of Celebrity Jeopardy was from regular Jeopardy. I'm Dave Schilling, and I am a writer of many things, but mostly I write about culture. Dave Schilling is a comedy scholar of sorts, and in 2018, he wrote an oral history for Vulture, the entertainment and culture outlet of New York Magazine, on how the Black Jeopardy sketch came to be. I think one of the reasons why we love Jeopardy is because these are people who have a wealth of knowledge that far outstrips what the average person has. But Celebrity Jeopardy is more like if you went on Jeopardy, what would it be like? And the sketches kind of took that to, to uh, such an extreme. I speak a little French. You're an ass bite. Pardon my French. <laughs> my name's French. Yeah, well, who gives a damn? Moving on. That you have, you know, Burt Reynolds being kind of um, unaware or Sean Connery, you know, being very, very vulgar. It was both making fun of the celebrity and, like, finding the particular things that each celebrity was being mocked for. Celebrity Jeopardy was a popular recurring sketch with some of the biggest stars of the SNL cast ever to grace the stage. And that's in no small part because it was the perfect vehicle for impersonations. Norm MacDonald played a nonchalant, wisecracking, gum-chewing Burt Reynolds. And Daryl Hammond created a famously belligerent Sean Connery who hated Alex Trebek and appeared in almost every sketch. But once Will Ferrell ripped off the mustache and stepped away from the lectern, Jeopardy! was kind of off-limits to SNL writers and cast members looking to break through. Will Ferrell had done the thing, and he'd done it well. So who'd want to go up to bat with him? You know, that guy's a legend and a hero of, you know, all of us. That's Kenan Thompson, who's been a cast member of SNL since 2003. He has the longest tenure of anyone in the history of the show. But when he joined in the early aughts, he was the new guy. So we don't want to, number one, 
step on toes, but number two, also like underserved in in such an arena that is so sacred or whatever. So if you're going to step there, you got to come with it. But Keenan is a sketch comedy veteran in his own right, getting his start as a child actor on Nickelodeon's All That and Keenan and Kel back in the 90s. Here, Keenan saves the president from an ominous display of orange sodas in Keenan and Kel. Hey, check out the groovy orange soda display. Wow. Hey, 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 Mr. President, look out! No! Look out! What the? Sometimes he plays the straight man, simply reacting as zanier characters bounce off him. But he also takes center stage. You might have seen him in his most popular SNL sketches, Diner Lobster and What's Up With That? In this 2010 clip from the What's Up With That sketch featuring Robert De Niro and Robin Williams, Thompson, as host DeAndre Cole, frequently interrupts his guest by bursting into an improvised stream of consciousness song. Uncomfortable silence. Oh, no, you don't. This is wrong. This is disrespectful. Oh, come on, anybody's trusting you. You're being disrespectful. I'm being Thank disrespectful. You. By the time the idea for Black Jeopardy arrived on his desk, Keenan had been a cast member for over 10 years. And in that decade, he'd found writers he clicked with. My name's Brian Tucker. I'm a writer at SNL. Uh, I've been a writer there for the past 18 years. When Brian first came on in 2005, he was immediately drawn to Keenan. Keenan had been there for about a year and a half, and I saw him reading things at our table, and, I, and he was really, really funny. And I thought to myself, no one's really writing for this guy, you know, and he could be special here. And so I also did not have cast members that I was writing for regularly. I was new. And so he and I developed an instant uh, relationship. Me and Brian Tucker worked together a lot, you know. Like, I would say I worked with him probably the most because he's just, you know— as excited about the black zeitgeist as I am, you know what I mean? He, he is white, he is from North Carolina, so he's like very white, but he loves Sanford and Son, he loves the Jeffersons. For many years I've written for several black comedians. Uh, my first job was on the Chris Rock show, I wrote for Dave Chappelle on his show. The idea for Black Jeopardy came from Brian's personal experience working in comedy. So being around funny black people, sometimes I would feel that I wasn't quite, you know, there. I didn't have their same experiences. And he realized there was something perfect about the format of Jeopardy that could help him tease out that feeling. Jeopardy is a great format for a comedy sketch because there's so many elements to it. You can have fun, different contestants. You can have an overall theme. But the best part is you can do a setup and then you can do a punchline. And often sketches are very character-based where it has to come from someone's attitude or the dialogue or whatever. And with Jeopardy, you can just write straight-up jokes. You can cram in, you know, a lot more jokes in a short amount of time than you could a traditional sketch. The seed of an idea for a new Jeopardy sketch took life when Brian brought it to fellow SNL writer Michael Che. The sketches that seem to do best are sketches that just fall out of me and other writers instead of ones where we have to think all the time. So when I pitched it to him and we got together to do it and it came very easily, I thought, okay, this can be something. 
Brian and Michael wrote the script with Keenan in mind as the host. They just felt he would be absolutely perfect for it. Because he's got such a good-natured warmth underneath in everything he does, things that might feel uh, controversial or uncomfortable, people trust him, and so he can say those things and make them work. The reason why Kenan Thompson stands out so much to me is his face. That's critic Dave Schilling again. He has this incredibly elastic face, but also a very warm, welcoming face. He's got the same affability and warmth that Chris Farley had. But Chris Farley was a physical comedian, right? He would throw himself through a table to get people to laugh. Keenan doesn't have to do all of that physical stuff. He just kind of can make a face, like an aside to the camera with his face, and make you laugh. If you're going to have like a race-based game show, you know, you put it in Keenan's hands and you, everyone feels, oh, this is going to be fun. It turns out, Keenan was a big fan of Jeopardy. He used to watch it growing up in his family's home in Atlanta. I used to love Jeopardy because it would always remind me how dumb I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes you want to be smarter and, and better yourself. There's really nothing like a hard round of Jeopardy to remind me of everything I don't know. And it always makes me want to be smarter. Black Jeopardy was definitely one of those weeks where I was not looking for it. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just kind of chilling and kind of seeing whatever the world was going to deliver. And of course, here comes Tucker with that one. Tucker said, I had an idea, like, now stay with me. Black Jeopardy. I was like, I, I get it 1,000%. Whether he was expecting it or not, Brian Tucker and Michael Che delivered. Black Jeopardy was just strong. It's just chock full of jokes. It was, it was just so undeniable, you know, joke potential in it. He found it funny for a reason everyone else did. There's a certain cultural idea of the people that go on Jeopardy. Keenan tried to describe it. They feel like a very quiet life, maybe some wine, <laughs> maybe some classical music playing, but just not a lot of noise and not a lot of headaches. <laughs> it reads kind of white. White like green bean casserole or winter sports or Buzzy Cohen. And you can hear what Keenan's talking about, even when the big blue board does include clues about Black American culture. Like when Professor Sam Buttry went viral by getting a clue about Doja Cat right. No one was expecting it. This feline not only got freaky deaky with Tyga, she also told us to get into it, yeah. So we did, yeah. Sam. Who's Doja Cat? Yeah, you're a fan, I can tell. But that's not to say that Black contestants haven't excelled on the show. Matt Jackson and Ryan Long both reached Super Champ status, and Colby Burnett has dominated not one, but two tournaments. But Keenan's read remains kind of true. The Black Jeopardy sketch subverted all of those ideas. It asked, what if the canon of knowledge that Jeopardy asked you about was completely different? But first, it had to be funny. And to get on SNL, it had to kill. So the Black Jeopardy team had to get past some pretty tough critics. On a show like SNL and like Jeopardy 2, there's a lot of people that need to buy in to get it on TV. We have a read-through on Wednesday, and then if people like it, it gets picked for dress rehearsal on Friday and Saturday. I do remember that we were a little nervous about it because we thought people would look at the title of it and be like a Jeopardy sketch, you know. Hasn't SNL covered that ground far too much? already and too well. 
but we had run it by Louis C.K., who seemed to like it. Louis C.K. was the SNL host for that week's episode, March 29th, 2014, to be exact, and his character was integral for the jokes to land, and he was game. Lorne Michaels, the creator and longtime executive producer of SNL, liked it too. So they let us run with it. And once it's in my hands, as far as like the writing is concerned, then it's on me kind of just to maestro through, basically, as the host. So our contestants are Amir. How you doing? <laughs> Keely. What's up? And um, Mark. Well, <laughs> uh, so... Surprised to see you, Mark. Yes, well, I'm a professor of African-American studies at uh, Brigham Young University, so I just thought I'd give this a try. In this first iteration, Louis C.K. guest stars as the lone white contestant who thinks he has a shot at winning the game. That is not the case. Oh, uh, so let's do a for 600. Okay, Raheem wants to borrow your bike to go to the store right quick. Mark! Uh, what is... No way, Jose. <laughs> what, that's got to be at least close, right? Let's just move on and hear about today's prizes. Johnny? Even in Black Jeopardy, Johnny Gilbert is still announcing. Black Jeopardy came back in 2015, this time with Elizabeth Banks guest starring. She plays a well-intentioned liberal white lady who's shocked by her inability to play the game. True to the OG Jeopardy format, this next clip is a video clue featuring SNL cast member Leslie Jones. What's up? In 1943, an artist named Archibald Motley painted the picture behind me. My question is, after all these years, who killed Tupac? <laughs> Allison? Okay, I, I think I'm getting the hang of this. I'm gonna say... Tupac was killed by a corrupt justice system that threatens us all. Oh, I'm sorry, but that was a trick question. The answer is that Tupac is still alive. (laughs) Black Jeopardy killed again. But to be like the real thing, it needed to have staying power. I think that was the challenge, like, doing it again. You know what I mean? The second time, I was like, okay, well, how's it going to be different from the first and... It was different enough, but it wasn't, like, super-duper different. To make a sketch that could last, they needed to hit on something truly new. How they found that is after the break. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best, all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoyed James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com Jeopardy. 
That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Black Jeopardy was very surprising to me because I didn't expect it to be particularly original. That's culture writer Dave Schilling again. SNL has had game show parodies since the beginning. And so it all felt very cliche. Of course, they're going to do a a game show parody. And Jeopardy is the biggest game show in America. So the idea of doing it again just seemed lazy on its face. But then you watch the sketch and it's such a perfect engine for comedy. And it's, it's such a perfect way to articulate those ideas of the black community being its own kind of special world and people going into it and understanding it. In 2016, the SNL writers brought Black Jeopardy back with one major shift in the makeup on stage. All right, the board is yours, Keely. Let's stay with Bruh for 400. All right, Bruh, he's been playing for a while now, but he's still putting up big numbers. Jared. This is easy. Who's my man? Yaramir Yager, yo. Is that Yama say what now? <laughs> Come on, dog. He's a hockey player. The man won the Art Ross Trophy four years in a row, fam. Jared, I know you're speaking English, but uh, it ain't my English. I feel like the original concept was everybody was black and, you know, there's this one white person like, what is this show? <laughs> and then we did it with Drake and it was like, the differences are black and that was cool. On SNL's third go-around with the sketch, the team found a new thing to say. It highlighted the differences in Black identity. And Drake, as a Black Canadian, shows not everything is universal, but connection is always possible. Jared, I think Canada's messed with your Blackness, man. <laughs> well, why do I have to be your definition of Black, huh? You're judging me before you even know me? It's making me so angry inside, dog. You just said the secret Black phrase of the day, Jared, you win the game. Slow Jams means it's time to wrap it up. Tune in next week when we give away two tickets to the Sister Sister Reunion Show. With a solid format, Keenan, Michael, and Brian, plus writer Sam Jay, started to push what they could say with the sketch. They were ready for some bigger swings. In October of 2016, just weeks before the presidential election was to be decided, Tom Hanks was the guest host. Our contestants are Keely. Hi. Shanice. Okay, now. And Doug. How are you doing, sir? On stage, Tom Hanks sports a t-shirt emblazoned with an American flag imposed onto a bald eagle, plus a Make America Great Again hat. Once again, a white contestant was competing on the Black Jeopardy stage, but this time, the result was unexpected. Oh, hey. Doug, you sure you're ready to play Black Jeopardy? They told me a fella can win some money, so let's win me some money. Get her done. (laughs) Well, I admire your confidence. 
know, we have Keenan on one side with, again, his good-natured and, and warm personality. And then on the other side, we have another beloved figure, Tom Hanks, who, when he's the person with the Make America Great Again hat, other hosts might leave people very uncomfortable. But again, in his hands, you trusted him. And once he starts answering these questions, they realize that these two have a lot in common. They don't trust authority. You know, they are worried about technology. They uh, have uh, people in their community that are very close rather than trusting people on the outside. Tom Hanks has a sturdy wife that, you know, and he loves her body. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. The board is yours, Shanice. Let's go with they be, they out there saying for 200 Okay, the answer, they out here saying the new iPhone wants your thumbprint for your protection. Oh, okay then, Doug. Well, what is, I, I don't think so. That's how they get you. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I don't trust that. Me either. No, I read that goes straight to the government. Mm. Well, that is not bad, Doug. <laughs> uh, the, the board is yours. Tom Hanks was a punch because, you know, that's when we brought in, like, the, the real current, you know, politics of it all. You know, he was adding little tidbits up to the live show, like, you know, finding his character, and he really, like, locked it in at the live show and made it make sense. It was so believable. And it was a beautiful moment. It was a, a moment of clarity for, you know, communication between two different sides of the aisle. Let's go to they out here saying for eight. Okay, the answer there. They out here saying that every vote counts. Oh, Doug again. What is, come on, they already decided who wins the report happens. Yes! 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 And the Illuminati figured that out months ago. That's another one for Doug. Okay, we're, uh, we're doing it. While laughs are happening, you know what I mean? It's a very healing kind of experience, you know, to touch on not necessarily absurdities, but extremities. This one was a smash. It launched think pieces, receiving all kinds of press coverage. Vox called it the best political commentary of the election. And the Tom Hanks sketch also prompted texts to Keenan from his friends and family. When my phone blows up from, like, my people, that's when I know we hit, you know, a, a bullseye in the culture. Because, like, I don't hear from them every week. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm, sometimes they tune in, sometimes like they enjoy the show, but they won't actually start hitting my phone until it's something that, you know, kind of touches home for them. And I, I get that, but it'll be like all my friends from Atlanta, you know what I mean? Like their whole Atlanta, which is like very black. So I know we just did something for the culture. It's like fantastic. And that, that always feels real good. I've written hundreds of sketches on the show, and often I still try to write something that will appeal to everyone, you know, politically and culturally. And I've never done something that has done it as well as that. Some said the sketch spoke to something aspirational at a time when a lot of people didn't feel hope about the future of the country. According to the Pew Research Center in 2016, 49% of registered voters said they were worried the future would be worse compared with life then. I think one of the reasons why Black Jeopardy was one of the most beloved recurring sketches on SNL in the modern era is because of the time that it was released into the world. 
This is Dave Schilling. You know, we're at the tail end of the Obama era. Race has been on everybody's mind for those eight years, right? Race is on everybody's mind all the time, but it became more apparent and more kind of part of the conversation in, in, a, in a more substantive way because of who the president of the United States was. So this sketch comes along and, and, and really shines a light on that, but makes that difference funny and something to celebrate. Black Jeopardy made the rapport between Black people feel like a good thing. Even Keenan, who'd been making people laugh for almost his whole life, was awed by the response to Black Jeopardy and the power of comedy. Our comedians are, you know, kind of our frontline heroes as far as attacking trauma, you know what I mean? And attacking pain or, or attacking absurdities or things that are irking you, you know what I mean? They take those uncomfortable conversations and, and bring it to the table, like, let's eat, you know what I'm saying? Let's sit down and, like, really get into this. You'd think a wildly viral sketch would make Brian Tucker and Michael Che's lives easier, but it actually turned up the pressure for them. And they didn't touch it again for two years. Every time we did Black Jeopardy, Michael Che would be like, okay, that's the last one. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe we could do another if we thought of an idea that uh, um, seemed unique. And so then when we did the Tom Hanks one, it went over so well. You know, it was in the middle of the 2016 election. It got a lot of media attention. And we thought, okay, that's our grand finale. We should just step off and leave. But then Chadwick Boseman came. Ah, yes, the acclaimed Chadwick Boseman. In 2018, he starred as T'Challa in Black Panther and became a superhero legend in his own right. The first movie in the franchise grossed $1.3 billion and made Chadwick a household name. Chadwick was having the most explosive moment I've ever seen a Black actor have in my lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, I've never seen anything more explosive than that Black Panther week. It was crazy. I want to be a great king, Baba. Just like you. You're going to struggle. Black Panther had sparked something for Brian, too. And I had the idea, after watching the Black Panther movie, I was like, you know, people in Wakanda grow up so much different than Black people in America. You know, they have such a utopia. And then if someone like that came over here, what would they think? And I ran it by Michael Che, and he was like, uh, maybe, you know, this character in this movie is so important to the black community, we can't mess this up. And I said, I understand. And then when we ran it by Chadwick, he was like, yeah, maybe, you know, he also is very protective of the character, understandably, of course. Michael Che agreed, let's at least talk about it. Let's at least send it to the table. And if people don't like it, then it won't be on the show. This time around, the stakes were so much higher, and the writing didn't come as easy. We were like, this has to hit 100%. Everyone has to feel good about it. And so if the first Black Jeopardy took Michael Che and I maybe two hours to write, I'll bet this one took six or seven hours to write. Joe picture, niece. Let's stick with Finna for 400. All right. This is the reason your cable bill is in your grandmama's name. <laughs> oh, T'Challa. What is to honor her is the foundation of the family. <laughs> mm, that's 
really nice. It's wrong. But it's really nice. As much as Obama was important to putting black people into a, a mainstream lens in American culture. Dave Schilling again. Black Panther really did that and really put black ideas, black thoughts, black concepts into the, the kind of the primary culture of America. And so having Chadwick on that, that sketch really kind of put a bow on it. Let's keep going. Let's stay with grown ass for 600. All right. You send your smart ass child here because she thinks she grown. T'Challa. What is to one of our free universities where she can apply her intelligence and perhaps one day become a great scientist? (laughs) Okay, well, the answer we was looking for was out my damn house. (laughs) But you know what? I'm gonna give it to you, T'Challa. Y'all must not have no mean streets in Wakanda. (laughs) All right, the board is yours. Chadwick's appearance as T'Challa was another smash hit, solidifying Black Jeopardy in the SNL canon and underlying SNL's role as a culture maker. And like SNL, Jeopardy is also a beloved American staple. So when you have one playing off the other, what does that teach us? SNL and Jeopardy are American institutions, and it's hard to really quantify how important they are to our society, our culture. After the break, I pass the mic to a new host. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. In putting together this episode, my producer Rob talked to a lot of people about Black Jeopardy, how it came together, and what it means. He's also a lifelong Jeopardy and Black Jeopardy host Kenan Thompson fan. And so to finish telling the story, I'm very excited to be passing the mic over to him. Some of my earliest memories are sitting at my great-grandmother's feet in the living room of her Harlem apartment with Oreos and milk listening to the smooth steadiness of Alex Trebek's voice as he presented clues, and shouting answers at the TV. I watched almost every day as my great-grandmother wore every answer she got correct as a badge of honor. She got a lot more answers than I did. Watching Jeopardy with her introduced me to worlds far from my own. Knowledge about important people and achievements and events in history. And it instilled in me that the pursuit of knowledge was a noble one regardless of whether that knowledge had application to my lived experience, or if the people delivering that knowledge looked or sounded like me or the people I knew. What's undeniable, though, is that I loved Jeopardy. 
I relished in impressing the adults around me with the random facts I could hold in my head, and I did it often. Similarly, my experience watching Kenan Thompson on TV started earlier than I can remember. But it spoke to something different in me. And now, all that presents a semi-educational moment. Everyday French with Pierre S. Cargo. Please remove your banjo from my belly button. <laughs> Keenan talked like the people I knew. His comedic sensibilities felt familiar. In my eyes, we came from the same world, even though he grew up in Atlanta and I grew up in New York. But it's not just that I related to him. It feels like he's always been making me laugh. He's been on TV my entire life. He joined the cast of Nickelodeon's All That in 1994, which is the same year I was born. And today he's rounding out his 20th year as a cast member on SNL. I could always catch him on TV somewhere, even when I wasn't trying to. I flipped the channels and there he was. With one glance at the camera, he can communicate multitudes in the same way the people in my family can. When I spoke to him for this episode, I kind of felt like I already knew him. Turns out that sense of familiarity I feel with him is something lots of other people feel too. And he's reminded on the regular. Like, is it invasive whenever I'm outside sometimes? Yes. But at the same time, it's a trade-off for the feeling that I get when people genuinely tell me that they have enjoyed what I do. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's not time wasted. I wanted to know what that felt like to make people laugh for decades, long enough for an entire generation to grow up and start lives. Turns out, it's everything he's dreamed of. I always wanted to be, you know, a group kind of performer or entertainer or part of something that brought joy to people's lives on a daily basis. Like, the way that I am now is at such a level that I never expected. When I first saw Keenan on Black Jeopardy back in 2014, I thought it was hilarious. It worked because someone as beloved as him felt good-hearted, even while mocking a beloved staple of American TV. But I think it spoke to something bigger than just poking fun at Jeopardy for being buttoned up. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> Welcome to Black Jeopardy. I'm your host, Alex Treblack. <laughs> now I'm just playing. I'm Darnell Hayes. It's Jeopardy's 50th anniversary, and we finally got our own. It also sparked something for me. I realized maybe Jeopardy and SNL actually have more in common than I initially realized. Both shows demand a certain level of knowledge of the viewer, but of course slightly different kinds of knowledge. Every episode of SNL is a smorgasbord of pop culture references. Everything from movies to music to politics, nothing is safe for mockery. But to be in on the joke, you have to be in the know. Who's made the most recent faux pas on Capitol Hill? What's in theaters right now? Who's the guest host for that week and what are they known for? And similarly, the Jeopardy viewer is curious and at least aspirationally knowledgeable about the world and its history. But something the Black Jeopardy sketch made light of is that the game of Jeopardy favors the sensibilities of some demographics more than others. Black Jeopardy did that by reimagining the game in an alternate universe where those values were turned on their head. Let's check out our categories. We got... It ain't like that. <laughs> Who's trying to? <laughs> I don't know you. Shaking my head. What had happened was 
And as always, white people. Black Jeopardy handled what could be tricky social commentary with ease. The whole concept of trivia is that there is a realm of objective human knowledge that with the right research and commitment, anyone can tap into. In that spirit, a game like Jeopardy is in principle fair. Everyone comes to the game on an even playing field because the knowledge they are challenged to recall is freely available to all of us. But Black Jeopardy poked a few holes in those assumptions. Not everyone has access to the same information. And it illustrated the feeling of being an outsider who's expected to have access to a canon of knowledge they're not familiar with. It also challenges the concept of knowledge itself. Is the ability to recall facts about the world and history the only way to demonstrate intelligence? What if it were different? What if being able to read a room or navigate cultural norms or crack a joke that makes a group of people laugh were all ways that we were also recognized as demonstrating our intellect? As much as this was a clever appraisal of Jeopardy!, Dave Schilling thinks it really landed because it revealed something about SNL as well. It has historically been a very white uh, television show. I think that's why these sketches endure and they transcended just the regular churn of Saturday Night Live is because you don't see sketches like this very often. You don't get these really particular black references on SNL every single week. It is a rare treat. And when you get it, it's rare that they're quite as incisive and clever as these sketches. And of course. Black Jeopardy would not have worked without Kenan Thompson as the host, as the straight man, as the guy making the faces and being just a charming, fun, warm and welcoming kind of comic figure. This got me thinking about how we develop relationships with the people on our TV screens, like Kenan Thompson and Alex Trebek, people who are there week after week for years, and in these two cases, people I've been watching since I was a little kid. I think it has as much to do with them as it does the shows that have come to define their careers. Jeopardy! and SNL debuted 59 and 47 years ago, respectively. That's a long time to be in American homes, week after week, year after year. Dave Schilling explained to me why he thinks both shows have such staying power. SNL and Jeopardy are American institutions. And I think one of the reasons for that is these are institutions that were developed at a time when we all watched the same stuff. You know, there weren't a million options for entertainment. They harken back to a time when we all kind of had these similar touchstones. Saturday Night Live and Jeopardy also share an adherence to format. You always are going to get the same thing, no matter when you tune in. It's going to be the same. And that feels nice. Keenan told me the two Jeopardy hosts actually got to meet. Kind of like a crossover episode. It was backstage at the 2019 National Hockey League Awards. He just went in. He was like, hey, man, you know what I mean? Like, I love that. I think he referenced Black Jeopardy was his opening line. Like, he said some line from it. And he was just like, man, that was classic, blah, blah, blah. And don't you just love comedy? And he was just so relaxed and chill. I thought he was going to be more, you know, kind of uptight or, you know, brainy-ish, <laughs> nerdy-ish. But he was, you know, super smooth, you know. And I was like, oh, Alex is a player. <laughs> He's out here, like, with mass swag. Like, I was like, okay. 
for Alex was such a force, you know, in kind of hand-holding people into it's okay to not be as smart as you think you are, but, you know, keep studying and working hard. Two titans of entertainment and mutual fans of one another, even if one famously parodied the other. Alex once said, you know you've made it if you've been parodied, and that's true. Black Jeopardy hits because Jeopardy is so big and so beloved. And we don't have to choose. We can love them both. This is Jeopardy! The Story of America's Favorite Quiz Show is a production of Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV. It's hosted by me, Buzzy Cohen. This episode was produced by Rob Dozier and Mia Warren. The series producers are Julia Doyle, Rob Dozier, and Mia Warren. Associate producer is Serena Chow. Our series editor is Sarah Kramer. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs, Tom Koenig, Sarah Kramer, Michael Davies, and Suzanne Preddy. Production management help from Susanya Davenport and Tamika Balance-Kolosny. Our theme song was composed by Hannes Brown. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Special thanks to Charlie Yetter and Steve Ackerman. And a big, big thank you to the Jeopardy staff and crew for all of their time and help on this. Shout out to Alexa Machia. If you love the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 